you know when things happen and it frustrates you and it emotionally pulls you one way or the other you know you start for whatever reason you start breathing a bit quicker or heavier or whatever and so the just the, the calmness I can I can keep really with dealing with them moments has been a big thing for me you're listening to the England Rugby podcast all to inside line I'm George Ford George Ford, play for Sale Sharks and England. I play a fly-half, which is basically the game manager, I suppose, of the team, makes lots of decisions in the middle of the game. I'm primarily responsible for making sure that the team play in the right areas of the field. We have lots of skills that we need to implement in the game, primarily running, passing, kicking, and we make the decisions for the team. What makes a good fly-half, I think, is someone who can think clearly, uh, whilst the game's going on, because you need to make good decisions as to what the team need to do next. So you need to be calm, in my opinion. But at the same time, you need to have an urgency about you to be a threat yourself as a player so that the opposition don't know what you're going to do in terms of running, passing or kicking. And then lastly, I think for all the best fly-offs I've seen or played against, have an influence on the team so they're good leaders as well. They can get the best out of individuals around them and the team around them to make sure the team can do what they need to do. Growing up uh, as a youngster, probably what my parents would say about me would be, I was pretty cheeky to begin with. I can't quite remember, but my mum and dad say that out of the three of us, because there's three boys, got two brothers, my older brother, Joe, and my younger brother, Jacob. I was the mischievous one a little bit, always up to no good. That was when I was really young. But as I started to get a little bit older, just had loads of energy to play sport, and in particular rugby. And I was mad about it. I was watching my dad because he was a professional. So I was watching my dad. And obviously when you're younger and uh, you have sort of idols or people you look up to, my dad was that guy. So as soon as I saw him playing rugby, I was massively into rugby after that. And then I suppose as I got older and went into like school and things like that, I became pretty diligent, organised. I'd always like to be on top of things, so whether that's schoolwork or homework or whatever, or things to do with rugby would be always make sure my bag's packed or my boots are clean, all them things, which is then transferred into what I'm like today. Yeah, I'm pretty meticulous when it comes to being organised and knowing where things are and how I like things to be, which obviously can have positives and negatives to that. I grew up in a place called Saddleworth, which is Greater Manchester. Uh, it's about 40, 45 minutes outside Manchester. And Saddleworth's made up of seven or eight villages. When we grew up in one of the villages, like a lovely, picturesque, loads of hills, nice walks, canals, reservoirs. And then dotted around Saddleworth and Oldham would be rugby clubs, amateur rugby clubs. So um, that's where I, I grew up and first started playing rugby. Yeah, and I live back there now. So the first time I got into rugby, I started playing rugby. It's quite an interesting story, actually. There was a local rugby club that didn't have, like, an amateur setup. Me and my older brother used to just go to the local fields and start kicking a ball around and throwing it around. And then, slowly but surely, more mates used to come with us. So there were maybe five, six of us, and then ended up being 12, 13 of us. Just going to the local field, as you do when you're a kid, after school, on weekends, you just want to be out there kicking and throwing a rugby ball around. And then... From that group, we created the first amateur rugby team for the local club, Saddleworth Rangers. 
which now have amateur teams from maybe under sevens, under eights, all the way through to open age. And it all just come from the love of the game, going out on the local field and bringing our mates down with us. And before you know it, we then entered into a competition with this team and one thing led to another and we just ended up loving it. Rugby in our family has always been a big thing, probably because, well, my dad played professionally, but even before my dad, my grandfather's played professional rugby league as well. So it was always in, in the family, really. Um, but for me as a kid, obviously seeing my dad play professionally, but then he went into coaching at Oldham and he was player coach for a while. And we used to go with him when he was playing or coaching. We found the love of the game then when we used to go down there because when we were growing up, me and my brother, we looked up to my dad and he was our idol. And, we wanted to just be him and replicate him, so any opportunity we had to go into them environments and be around rugby was amazing for us, really. And I obviously had an older brother who was a few years older than me. I saw him go into the game as well a little bit, and the way he started playing made me even more ambitious to go and do the same thing. Difficult for my mum at times because she's, she had my dad who played, and she had three boys who ended up playing, so she was dying for a girl who was nothing to do with rugby, but that never came. For me, anyway, that's all I ever wanted to do from as long as I can remember is to try and be a rugby player. Having a, in my dad who played professionally and, and well-known, I found it as massive positive, to be honest with you, in terms of he sort of already been there and done that and did what it takes to become a professional rugby player. You are sometimes known as Mike Ford's son at the time and uh, you do get the odd. He is only... The, the player he is or he's only the youngster he is because he's Mike Ford's son and I suppose that was part and parcel of what came with it. I didn't think too much of it at the time because I was just too busy enjoying myself playing rugby and trying to become the best I could be, really. I am Mike Ford and I'm George Ford's dad. What separates George, I think, is just more than being a talented player, just more than being a good player. The dedication and resilience is shown, perseverance, all them things through through setbacks on the field, losing finals, getting injured, you know, selection. He then gets back up and finds a positive uh, slant on things, comes back even stronger. What sets in the bar to his mental skills, ability to adapt to what's going on in the game, to have a game plan, the ability to adapt to the referee, to the weather, to the opposition, to his own team and you know, find a way to win. But what makes me kind of George the most is the way he is with his family and the way he loves his family. So when I was 15 or 16, I had to decide which way I was going to go, rugby league or rugby union. And obviously, playing rugby league since I was four, five, six, my ambition and love for rugby league would always be to go and play Super League. And I was at Bradford at the time, and it was between Bradford and Leicester Tigers. What swung the decision either way was that I always probably knew that I wanted to go and give Rugby Union a go in the future. So I thought if I'm gonna go and do that, I wanna go and learn the game as much as I can now. I felt like I needed to make a decision to move away from Oldham, to go and live in Leicester, to sort of um, go and experience living on my own and, and grow up a little bit. Even though it was a bit of a daunting decision at the time, it was definitely the right thing to do. So I um, made the decision to go to Leicester at 15, 16. Being in an environment where Leicester was successful at the time and they had all these international players who I could go and hopefully watch and pick anything up and learn as much as I could and that really stood me in good stead for the future.
The relocation was challenging. I'd gone from living at home until I was 16 to overnight moving out and, and living with Matt Everard, who's now uh, one of the assistant coaches at Leicester Tigers, and Andy Forsyth, who's just recently retired. First couple of years were challenging more so because I was still at school up north, but my school let me go and move full-time down to Leicester and do my work sort of electronically. And I'd go back to school every two weeks, go and get a load of work, take it away, go and do it. You come back from training and sometimes the last thing that you want to do is sit down and do, and do some studies, but that's what I had to do for a few years to finish my A-levels off at school. Yeah, don't get me wrong, there was times when I would go back up to school, go and see my teachers and try and catch up with everything, and then they'd send me away again. They were like, I'm not too sure if this is if this is working. I was falling a little bit behind, or we'd come to exam time and I'd be like, am I ready to take this exam? There was times where probably that was compromised a little bit, don't get me wrong, but we found a way in the end. That was the main thing, found a way where I could give my best shot at rugby at 16, 17, and being part of that amazing full-time environment at Leicester and finish my schoolwork off, which I'm, I'm grateful I did. I remember when I was nowhere near the England team. There was the debates going on back then who should be playing number 10. Still the same now. For me, anyway, all you can ever do as an individual and as a player is prepare as well as you can, be as good as you can be for the team. And the team always comes first. Selection has and always will be the coach's decision because they've got a plan on what they think the best thing is to win that game at weekend. So we want to compete. We want to be the guy that starts. Of course we do. I'm not saying that. You are gutted and you're a little bit upset and angry when, when you're not potentially picked, but you've soon got to flip that on its head and think, right, this is my role. This is what I'm going to do. And that's what it has been like with me, with Owen, with Marcus, with whoever else has, has been around that fly after bit. My relationship with Owen started when we were really young, actually. We actually played against each other at the amateur rugby league teams we were both part of. And he was giant compared to the rest of us. So you know what, you'd look over to the opposition and you'd be like, yeah, that's Owen Farrell over there. Their team was dominant, to say the least. That was basically as much as I knew him when I was real young. Then we, we both lived in London when my dad coached Saracens and Andy played for Saracens. That's when we got to know each other properly. Uh, went to school together and even after school, because we lived next door to each other, we used to do everything really. Me, Owen and my older brother used to knock around everywhere and play out on the street and kick a ball around, everything. Then that only lasted nine to 12 months really. Then came across Owen when we played at under 16s for England. Played at under 16s, under 18s, under 20s together, where we were in camp pretty much twice a year, every year, before going on to play at the senior men's team together. So it's been brilliant to be honest, to play with someone like Owen like throughout age groups and senior level that the player he is and the influence he has on the team is is pretty incredible. So I um, feel very fortunate to have done that. Uh, but obviously, Owen's a fly-half and I'm a fly-half, so we are same position. Whenever we play against each other at club level, we're obviously against each other in that position. Has it made me feel differently? No, I think you've got to understand that that's the reality of it. That's the reality of the position, especially in England. Yeah, and you've got to embrace it. Yeah, I think fly-half in any team is such a crucial, pivotal position. You understand the responsibility that comes with it. You understand how influential you can be for your team. And maybe that does come with some pressures, but it's how you can embrace that and let it bring the best out of you.
And that's ultimately the reason you go and prepare and train as well as you can is to go and perform at weekend. And I'm a big believer that if you, as consistent as you can be at that, then more often than not, you'll be able to go and perform. That's where I try and put all my energies, is how I go and prepare every day. My attitude and consistency around that is massive to me. So that when it comes to a Saturday or Sunday or Friday night, whatever it might be, that I can go and perform. Touch from Youngs and there's George Ford. George Ford is away. Great patience from England. I'm Dan Cole and I play for Leicester Tigers and England Rugby. George Ford is very intelligent on the field. He's like a coach. He's always lean training. You know, there aren't many better guys that, that know the game rugby and get the most out of people around you. I think he's that kind of leader um, in that role, especially 10 and the way he plays and the way he puts teams in positions to win games. He's, there's not many like him. I'm Ben Earl. I play for Saracens and England. Well, George is my new roommate and I've thoroughly enjoyed room with him. He's a great guy. What an amazing player. What an amazing thinker about the game. Some of the stuff he comes up with in terms of the way training's gone, where our attacks are, where our defence is at, I would never have seen. So um, thanks to him, my eyes have been open into some of the more intricate workings of the game and very lucky to have him as a teammate, as a mate. George Ford in the pocket again. Oh, this is a long one from halfway. My goodness, it's high! And it is handsome! George Ford! The standards that I set myself is obviously try to be high as possible and consistent as possible. And of course, when you don't meet them standards, you feel gutted, you feel disappointed. There's almost a bit of a hangover period there where you assess things and you reflect on things and ultimately it's working out why you didn't meet them standards and what you need to do to then get back to them. And I think that's always a constant challenge throughout your career. I try not to be really, really high and on top of the world when things are going well, but also not down in the dumps when they're not, because I think that roller coaster way of going about things it takes too much energy and emotion out of you. So trying to be a bit more neutral. Because I like things to be organized and well thought out and planned, I suppose, obviously, when things don't go to plan or when things are not where they need to be or whatever, that is a challenge for me, mentally especially, and finding a solution or adapting and adjusting to them things. And don't get me wrong, there's still times now where I get really incredibly frustrated about certain things, you know, I like to do with rugby and away from rugby as well, but I've got to keep reminding myself that rugby and, and life's never just going to go exactly the way you want it and things are going to happen that are going to test you, I suppose, or challenge you. And I have become a little bit better at in them moments where you really want to get frustrated and lose your head a little bit, that just to probably deal with them a little bit better. And that's probably transferred on onto the field as well because the game is in such a position where you can plan as much as you want, but you have no idea what's going to happen until you're in that moment. And it's part of our job as fly-halves to be one of the guys on the field to think clearly that when something does happen, that you can find a solution to it. Coping mechanism-wise, like I think a big thing that's worked for me is just preempt what could happen. So what if situations and what are the solutions to it? And I think just that way of thinking makes you ready for when something does happen. It doesn't shock you as much. You've already sort of been in that thought process of 
we've got best intentions of this happening, but what if it doesn't? So when the moments come, it's like, oh, right, I've sort of already thought about this. So it doesn't take you back as much and you can come up with a solution quicker. It's probably a little bit more challenging away from the field. Like, it, you know, things, as everyone knows, pop up in life when you least expect it, all So the way I deal with it would be, I try and use my breathing a lot and I know I'm going into specifics here, but whether that's on the field or not, like is, you know, when things happen and it frustrates you and it emotionally pulls you one way or the other, you know, you start, for whatever reason, you start breathing a bit quicker or heavier or whatever. And so the, just the, the calmness I can... I can keep really with dealing with them moments has been a big thing for me. There is people I go to when you need a bit of advice or you need a bit of a sounding board or just need to get something off your chest or out your head. My dad's obviously a massive impact to me and we can sit down and have a chat. Having gone through his experiences in his career, he can make sense of it. My older brother's the same. My younger brother is as well. They're always just a, a phone call away or you know a chat and a coffee away, whether it's rugby or non-rugby, actually. And also my wife, Addie, she's amazing in the support that she gives me to allow me to do what I do when it comes to rugby, but also away from the field as well, which is a massive balance. Sometimes when you're in a rugby environment or you think it's rugby, 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 and you need a bit of a, an escape from that sometimes. So in 2019, uh, I was away in Japan during that time. Me and my older brother uh, set up a coffee shop. We're always interested in coffee and we always spoke about having a shop and an opportunity presented itself in our local village to open one up and we went for it. We thought this would actually be a great thing to back our rugby up because Joe was playing rugby at the time. He's now gone into coaching. So we just thought, let's do it. It's called Kobe Coffee. The reason we called it Kobe was my brother's little boy is called Kobe, so um, we named it after him. So he now thinks it's his coffee shop, which is pretty cool. He's only uh, six years old. And then my wife owned an Italian restaurant, which is in the building next to the coffee shop called Sorella. So before we knew it, we had Kobe Coffee and Sorella next door to each other. Then we did a bit of refurb and we put a bit of a communal area on the back of both the coffee shop and the Italian restaurant. So it's a bit of a joint venture. And then if that wasn't enough, what we decided to do was Come five o'clock in the day, we'd transform the coffee shop into a Japanese restaurant. That has been a great balance to what rugby is because we are hands-on and it does take a lot of managing and a lot of keeping on top of, which then distracts you from rugby. And even though it might not be switching off because you're going from one thing to the other, it does give you a break from rugby. So when I do go back to it, I feel refreshed, recovered mentally from it. <laughs> So I'm uh, Joe Ford, I'm the older brother of George. So I started playing rugby at seven, George would have been four, um, but he just come along and joined in, which for his age was like, you know, really young, but he, he, he took to it. From then on in, he always played an age above himself um, just because he was the best player. And if he played at his age, he was scoring seven, eight, nine, ten 10 tries a game. So. Just really good at everything as well, annoyingly. So whatever we did, you were just really talented at it, really. It was that far ahead of everyone from when from when he started. Not just myself, but everyone he spoke to, the the scouts who or, or the academy coaches, they all said he'll go on to earn a hundred caps for England and, and win trophies, etc. So yeah, he's gone and done that and more, I guess. Look, it's easy saying it at a young age that he's gonna do it, but he's gone and done it. Whatever he throws himself into, be it the coffee shop or obviously rugby, he's just 100% committed and 
yeah, obsessed with it, which is why he's a success in whatever he does. There's a lot of pressure on him and, and you feel that as a family. So you, you just want him to do well. And then when he does, it's just a sense of, you know, relief and, and even more more proud of him, really. If you were to walk in and you didn't know about rugby and you walked in a room, you wouldn't say that he was, uh, you know, the England fly half who's won 100 or 90 odd caps and, you know, a couple of premiership titles, etc. You'd, you'd just think he was a normal person. So that's probably the biggest testament I can give him. He's just got time for everyone and he's not interested in in any of that limelight stuff. Um, he just wants to play rugby and then go home and be with his family. No, I'm not good at relaxing, no. Even, you know, like in the off-season, I find the off-season a little bit more challenging than being in-season because as a rugby player, you get a schedule for 11 months of the year. You know where you need to be, what you need to be doing. You know, you've got a game on this day and then it's just week to week to week to week. And then you get four or five weeks off in the off-season and you've got no schedule all of a sudden. But I know in the back of my mind that you can't just not do anything for five weeks. So it's planning that so that I know when I need to be doing stuff and what I need to be doing at that time so I don't get frustrated during that period, for example. I love training, I need to carry on training, I want to stay fit, I want to keep improving. So almost having time off doesn't make sense sometimes to me, even though it's massively important. So that's why I've got to be diligent and plan it that I'm not doing too much or I'm not doing enough as well, if that makes sense. Obviously, away from the field, I'll give you a couple of examples which could trigger me or frustrate me. My coffee shop, for example, I could be training all day, I could come home from training, I always nip in after training. And the first thing I'll do is, whether this is right or wrong, is I'll probably look at the floors. If I see that they need cleaning, that'll frustrate me straight away because I'm thinking that just doesn't make sense to me. Because I am, I want to be clean, I want to, I want to be organised, all them things. It's the same at home, like, the first thing I do when I walk into the house, and I've only just realised this recently, but I'd pick the hoover up and do 10 minutes of maybe cleaning the house with a hoover even though it might not even need doing. And I know that sounds a bit stupid, but after I've done it, I can just switch off. It's like a bit of a, a line in the sand, a bit of a reset. All right, yeah, I've done. I've done my 10 minutes of cleaning now. I can just sit down and relax. Yeah, and I don't know why. I don't know why I'm like that. It's just the way it is. It's I just like to be organised in a clean environment. When I'm not, I get frustrated and it's playing on my mind until I've done it. When it comes to roommates, um, they can be a little bit untidy, but... I've learned to deal with that in a better way as well. Um, as long as my half the room's tidy, I'm not too fussed. The mental side of things is, I think, has become such a huge part of the game. I suppose as you become more experienced and a little bit older, you realise that it's always been a big part of the game, but you just value it more, potentially when you do get more experience. When you first burst onto the scene and you're just loving life and you just go out and play rugby with your mates, maybe you don't think about it too much, but to have a prolonged, consistent career, you soon realise that it is a huge part of the game. And probably the most challenging, I'd say as well, to turn up uh, mentally day in, day out, be as consistent as you possibly can day in, day out, as yourself as an individual, as a player, but if you're in a leadership role as well, even more so, because you've got to lead by example by what you do, but you've got to be in a position where you want to lead and influence others. Yeah, like I said, it's sometimes challenging, but maybe that's why there's not that many leaders and more followers, because it does take some doing.
So Old and Ruffy Heads, my connection to them first started when I was a young kid watching my dad play for them growing up. So they're our local team, obviously. Uh, there are a couple of these under the top league at the minute, but my dad, at the end of his career, played for Old and Ruffy Heads and was coach at the same time. So that was when, obviously, first knew of and became associated with Old and Ruffy Heads. And then as I grew older, maybe 13, 14, 15, 16, we had this thing, you play for your town team. So the best players in the area play for Oldham and you go and play teams like Wigan and St. Helens and Warrington. And it was a big thing back then to play for your town teams. We moved away, went into rugby union for a period of time and I moved away from Oldham. And it's only until the last 18 months, two years that I moved back into the area because I play for sale. And in the last six months, my dad's just got back involved with Oldham Ruffy Heads. Taking the club over with Bill Quinn, who's a local businessman, and trying to grow Oldham Ruffy Heads to try and get them back into Super League again. So we're fully back into the Oldham Ruffy Heads mode again. I hope to go down there and try and help and influence on the rugby side of things as much as I can. I think after playing myself, I always like the idea of going into coaching anyway. So I think it'd be you know, a great experience for me to go down there, watch, learn, and hopefully get involved a little bit as a bit of a stepping stone into that, you know, hopefully in a few years' time, not, not too close. Being away from the area for such a long time and coming back into it and having played for Oldham amateur teams and my dad played for them, it actually does mean a lot to us as a family. It's the Oldham town in general, from a rugby perspective, has given us a lot of opportunity to go and do what we've done. So we'll be forever grateful for that. Coming up next on the England Rugby Podcast, or 2 Inside Line. When I was 18, 19, 20, it was sort of a flip of a coin what kind of Ben Earl was going to turn up, um, what kind of player I was going to be on that day. And uh, yeah, I look back on it now, it was sort of a bit of a shame that it took me so long to clock it.